welcome back to the City of the Great King podcast with your host, Tyler Swatsky. That's me. Hello. How's everyone doing? I tell you, there is some rejoicing going on. I'm not on the American side, but I can see you from my city and I can feel the celebration coming from my brothers and sisters down south with the news of Dobbs. And if you don't know what I mean by Dobbs, think Roe v. Wade being overturned. Praise God for that. Praise God for babies being saved. We rejoice with you, my American brothers and sisters. What a what a movement of God to, to do something like that. It's been a long time in the making. Pro-life Christians have been working hard for this, diligently getting people in place, praying for it, speaking about pro-life causes and i it makes me rejoice with you at the same time grieve for my own nation so i hope you americans will continue to pray for us as we do not have the people in place or the convictions in our land to have this happen yet we we are under a judgment still from the lord and we're in no place for our laws to be changing on that front anytime soon. But keep praying. God can certainly bring a revival at the end of the judgment onto Canada. Lord willing, his judgment will be swift and the, the revival will be soon. So we, we rejoice with our American brothers. Praise God for that. Welcome to the podcast. I want to talk about something that's I'm on a kick right now, you know, when your mind is really on something. I've, I've told people I'm on a Psalms kick. I am all about the Psalms right now. I it, it, It's revolutionized my devotional life, throwing on two extra Psalms at the end of all my reading every single day. I'm reading books about the Psalms. There's a great one I'm reading right now. I'm listening to the Psalms. It is an amazing thing that has been happening on that front. And so I'm on a Psalms kick. And I want to get you on a Psalms kick. Yes, I want to share this with you. If we're going to share kicks with each other, let them be the figurative kind and not the physical kind. I'm figuratively kicking to you now, the Psalms. But in order to get there, we have to talk about something first. And this is something that I have a whole lot of personal experience in and have thought about and meditated on at length. And it is this issue of music in general, the importance of music and what the state of music is in when it comes to Christian music. And you might put scare quotes around the word Christian there. There's a there's some writing done about what really is Christian music versus secular music. Are those even helpful categories? I'm just going to go with the contemporary understanding anyway, that Christian music is simply that which claims the Christian God or is directed to the Christian God. And so we'll just go with that. So when I use the acronym CCM, it is referring to contemporary Christian music. That is the music that you'll hear if you turn on any Christian radio station. So contemporary Christian music is an acronym and the state of modern Christian music of CCM, I'm going to submit to you now is an absolute shambles. 
it is so broken the type of music that is being put out there supposedly in the name of christ and just to illustrate I'll, i'll illustrate in a second but part of what is what defines the fact that it is in shambles is if you listen turn on christian radio you throw on some of these songs try to listen for depth is there any actual theological doctrinal depth to what is called christian music today I guarantee you, you won't find it on what you hear in the most popular Christian songs. They're shallow. They are incredibly simplistic lyrically. They're theologically weak. And not only weak as in they don't make many positively true statements, but they sometimes have right in them blatantly heretical statements. And I'm not exaggerating. They're not only theologically weak, but some of them are just theologically false. They're incredibly me-focused. Here's a good test. Listen to a modern Christian song, either on the radio or in church, and count up how many times it talks about me or I, and the focus is on me rather than on God. See, if you think about the scriptures, the scriptures are all about God's plan of redemption that he set in stage for his glory and our benefit. Yes, we benefit from it, but it's his story. It's not our story. The Bible is not me-focused. The Bible is God-focused. It's Christ-focused. You turn on some Christian music today, or what passes for Christian music, you will get a whole lot of sermonizing about myself. It's all about me. Not only that, but if you try to follow the flow or a theme of whatever the song is, you'll find that it's incredibly emotional rather than being about declarative truth or, I don't know, it's it's emotional anyway. It's all about getting me out of my anxiety or or about how i need my broken heart fixed like it's 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 an emotional bent rather than one that is on declarative truth and i'm not just making this stuff up actually i looked up what the top supposedly top christian songs were of the past four years and i'm going to tell you what these two songs are and they are the epitome of the problem they I couldn't think of a better example or case study in the problem that I am bringing up. And so I went on to, what is that website called? The website is billboard.com, year end charts, hot Christian songs. And I looked at the last four years. So 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. Obviously we don't have data for 22 yet. The same song is at the top for the past three years And then in 2018 is another song. So the number one Christian song for three years running is by Lauren Daigle. And it is a song called You Say. Turn on Christian radio. You won't go five minutes without hearing this song. It's it's always on. And I want to read. I want to read the lyrics to you. Just I'm not misrepresenting anybody. I'm going to read the lyrics and see if some of the things I said earlier relate to this about being me focused excuse me, theologically weak, emotional, rather than about declarative pronouncement of truth, things like that. No depth. Let's see. Here are the lyrics to You Say. It says, quote, 
I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. Oh, oh. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. And you say I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, oh, you say I am yours. And I believe, oh, I believe, what you say of me, I believe. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. Oh, oh. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. And you say I am held when I am falling short. When I don't belong, oh, you say I am yours. And I believe, oh, I believe. What you say of me, oh, I believe. Taking all I have and now I'm laying it at your feet. You'll have every failure, God. You'll have every victory, oh, oh. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. When I don't belong, oh, you say I am yours. And I believe, oh, I believe. What you say of me, I believe. Oh, I believe. Oh, yes, I believe. Oh, what you say of me, oh, I believe. End quote. Okay, so that song, first of all, can be about your boyfriend. It doesn't have to be about God. I know she uses the word God in here, but this, this could just as easily be about a high school boyfriend you you can hear in that the the flow of the song the direction of the song it's not deep it's not you're not going to find a bible verse in there like it's just she sat down wrote a song and made it about herself but ostensibly to god or who could be her boyfriend and it is all about myself and that is the whole focus of the song that's the direction of it, it it's emotional this isn't this is your top christian song for the last three years and not only that but it was the number two song in 2018 the la the the other year that i didn't say yet but the, you want to know the top song of 2018 reckless love oh many of you have heard reckless love some of your churches sang this song thank the lord that i was never in a church that sang this song but this was your number one song in 2018, and it did cause a ruckus, and for good reason. That's not even, the title alone gives away that this is not a theologically sound song. But let me read the lyrics to your number one Christian song of 2018. Quote, Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, yeah. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, yeah. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. 
There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. Do that two more times, The all of that coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Yeah, end quote. There's your top two Christian songs over the last four years. First of all, that is not theologically sound to talk about God's love being reckless. In fact, that is a giveaway that you're not even singing about the Christian God. The God of the Bible never declares or speaks of or alludes to God's love being reckless. And I don't care the defense that you try to put up for this. That is a poetic expression or it's just kind of from your perspective, it looks like it. What if I said that God's love is, I don't know, God's love is temporal. Oh, the temporal love of God for me. You know, just because from my perspective, it seems like he doesn't love me the next day. Is it accurate for me? Is, is it okay for me to make a whole song about how God's love is temporal? No, I should rightly be very judged if I were to speak of my Lord that way, because that's not what his love is like. It's inaccurate. It is wrong. It's unbiblical. So this illustrates the, the problem. These are your top two Christian songs of the last four years. And this problem extends into the church. This is not just on the radio, but often what you get in the culture, what you'll hear on the radio, that is affected by what is happening in the church. So the church affects culture. What you see in church, you end up seeing in your culture, but it works the other way too. What you see in culture ends up coming into the church. They have a relationship of give and take with one another. For better or for worse, that is how it works. So if Christian music, if popular Christian music is in shambles, that tells you that the state of Christian worship in the church is mostly in shambles. Similarly, if the culture all around you is inept and shallow and me-focused, you will often end up seeing that in a lot of the churches. It is a two-way relationship there. We want the church to be the primary means of affecting culture, and it is, uh, through, through God's sanctions in history, his blessings, his cursings, that's another conversation. But too often, church is led around by the culture. And so if the culture is hedonistic, you'll see a lot of that in the church. And everything I'm talking about here, about this Christian, CCM, modern Christian music being in shambles, I'm not just speaking this from, oh, I looked up some things online. Like, this is my personal experience, too. I've been going to church my entire life, even if I didn't take my faith seriously until uh, some years down the road. But in my own experience, I had the music in the church that I was a part of growing up. It always had a dark atmosphere. You had to lower the lights, make it really dark, and then turn on the flashing lights from the stage. So you're basically getting a nice light show and they come in and out in different colors and you can barely see the person next to you unless you're the, the light comes and beams onto you guys then it goes around the room. So it's like a concert atmosphere. You got your bands on stage with all the different rock instruments. 
Uh, you have the constant vain repetition. Oh, the amount of these Christian songs where you just repeat the bridge or the chorus over and over and over again. Even in that song, Reckless Love, I had to skip the amount of times I was repeating that because they just repeated the bridge like four times. So this happens in church too. What we call worship is constant vain repetition uh, of, a, of a particular part. And it's very emotional. This is what I grew up in. This is what I experienced a whole lot of. It's all about trying to get you into this emotional, so-called spiritual experience to break down the barriers in your mind so that your heart can come out. It's, it's weird. Honestly, it's not even all this other stuff. It's just weird, too, on top of all of that. Can you tell that I've revolted a little bit from that? So I'm, I'm speaking from a place of experience. I know what it's like to be in these kinds of churches that bring in the problem and perpetuate the problem of this music and worship topic. So what's at the top of this cultural Christian music, what we're getting, that's a reflection of of the problem and i was already alluding to this but if contemporary christian music is all of these things that probably means the church is that way too in how it worships its god how it understands its god not only is it a reflection of it though it's also a, a perpetuator that is a word by the way i looked it up it perpetuates the problem too we churn out this horrible music which only perpetuates the problem but it's also itself a reflection of the problem, which is that we do not worship in spirit and in truth. That's really what this all comes down to, is the worship of God in spirit and truth. And we can talk all about that another time. We'll continue on specifically the music topic. See, we die for lack of knowledge. That's biblical, by the way. We die for lack of knowledge. And our modern way of doing music is diseased. This is not healthy and it is all the more evident when we use the word worship and make it synonymous with the musical part of a service. So oftentimes in church, you'll hear, oh, now we're going to go do worship. And what that means is we're going to put our rock band on stage and we're going to sing a couple songs. And then we're going to stop and go to preaching or go to communion, whatever. But worship is synonymous with the music. And it's very cultural, so this is just, when you say we're going to go do worship in church, that means you're going to start singing now. And that's not accurate, and it's part of the evidence that our way of doing music and our way of understanding worship is diseased. Music, is it part of our worship? Absolutely. It is an aspect of our giving worship to God, but it is only that. It is an aspect of it. It's not the whole thing. We worship God by listening to the sermon, too. And we are not worshiping God when we tune out of a sermon. We worship God when we take the elements. Baptism, the Lord's Supper. We worship God in how we do fellowship with believers in the church. It's not just music. We, so one way that you will know that we're starting to snap out of this diseased understanding of worship is we stop making worship synonymous with music. It's not the same thing. Music's a part of worship. It's not the whole thing. Now, historically, it hasn't always been this way. It really hasn't. 
Um, it was about until the 1800s is when this started changing, the, the way that we do music. And again, it's a reflection, a reflection of and a perpetrate a perpetuator of where the culture and where the, the Christian church was at. But until about the 1800s, you know what Christians sang in church? And if there was radio in the early 1800s, what you would hear was the Psalms. You would sing the Psalms. The Psalms were the primary songs for Christians. We're going to try not to confuse the word Psalms with songs. They sound so similar, but the, the Psalms in Scripture, near the middle of, the, of your Bible, was the songbook for the Christian church for millennia. That is what they sang. It, the Psalms were written to be sung. They were written to music. You know, if you ever go through some of the Psalms, you'll oftentimes see this word selah show up, S-E-L-A-H. It is a kind of dazzling Hebrew term that we don't know the exact meaning of it, but it almost certainly is a a musical direction of some kind. If you know how to read music, there's different directions in there about when to uh, heighten your voice, lower your voice, change speed, all this stuff. So selah is almost certainly, as far as we can understand, a musical connotation. It's an instruction of some kind. But if you even read the titles or the openings to these psalms, it is to the choir master or something like that. Like They sang the psalms. That's what they were meant for. It was put to music. And this is what the church sang for hundreds and even thousands of years. And there's more considerations we need to take. Like, why why was this the case and, and all that? Well, until the printing press, we, see, we really underappreciate the ability to have a Bible and be able to read it and just open up the Psalms and be able to read them or any other part of the Bible. We take that for granted because until the printing press, regular folk didn't have scripture at home. They didn't have a Bible. Most people did not have any of the Bible, Christians, until the printing press. It was way too expensive. It had to be copied by hand. So where did you hear scripture? You heard it in church. You sang it and you heard it from the preacher. That's how you got your scripture. And if anybody did have scripture, almost always what they would have was a portion of the Psalms. If anybody had scripture at all, it was the Psalms that they had, a couple of them that they would sing. And that's what you did with them. You sang the Psalms. That enabled you to memorize it. People used to be able to, or used to have so many things memorized. Now we just open up our phones or or the internet or our computers, whatever, and we just find whatever we want with no no need to memorize things. But for a lot of Christian history, you had to memorize it because you couldn't just open it up and read it. And you memorized it through singing it. It's that beautiful relationship. So biblically even, not only historically was psalm singing the norm and not this weird stuff we do today, but biblically psalm singing was the expectation. So they didn't just do it because it's all they had. It's because they were actually commanded in scripture to do this. First of all, by virtue of the fact that the psalms are inspired scripture. If you read the psalms, you are reading the word of God. If you sing the psalms, you are singing the word of God. If you pray the psalms, which is a beautiful practice, you are praying inspired word of God. They are the most perfect expression from us to God. 
And you do have everything in there. You have psalms of lament. Like the psalmist is not afraid to be honest about where they're at and in calling God for help and getting him out of situations. So there's psalms of lament. There's psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of joy. There's imprecatory psalms. There's psalms of judgment. There's everything in the psalms. And so if you're feeling, if there's a certain emotion that you have, you'll find it there. Even psalms of vengeance. It's all there. And since it's the inspired word of God, it's not liable to man's corruption. So in a society or in a church culture that is singing psalms, you will never print out a song called Reckless Love. Oh, there's nothing you won't do coming after me and sing that five times in a row as though all of God and all of the universe is hanging on this hinge of whether you will make a decision. Sorry, you're not the point. God is the point. The psalmist knows that. And they're not afraid to put themselves in it, but ultimately they always bring it back to God, center it on God and there's even messianic psalms so it points towards christ and christ is the fulfillment of psalms it's so beautiful it is the most perfect expression of us to god that we can put together we can't write better songs than what's in the psalms i mean that not only that but there's there's all this data and research i'm reading a book on it right now about how what we sing may have more influence over us than what we read i'm gonna say that again but what we sing may have more influence over us than what we read. So if that is true, and I'm not, like I said, I'm reading a book on this right now, so, so I'm just going to put out that phrase, but singing the Psalms, if that is true, will teach you rightly about God more so than even reading the scriptures. Like if you sing them, that will more deeply implant in you the truths about God than any other means. And not only that, but this is a great thing about the singing psalms as well. It gives you a lawful expression of what you're feeling. So there's this issue where you can get angry. And biblically, it, it talks about how be angry and do not sin. Or do not sin in your anger. Well, when we get angry, we very quickly start sinning. Well, what if the psalmist was angry and put it into and was holy spirit inspired and it's in scripture see that's the inspired word of god and we can identify with the anger of the psalmist or have the depression and the anxiety that the psalmist felt during different periods of his his or their life see we can join ourselves to lawful expression of certain emotions and attitudes that otherwise we are going to very quickly become unlawful in our expressions of those same emotions. If you join together with a psalmist, you can sing about your hurt when someone betrays you, and you will do so in a way that doesn't transgress the holiness of God. Doesn't that already sound so freeing to how you can worship God? And I intentionally use the word worship there. So not only those things about how it is inspired scripture, biblically psalm singing was the expectation because it's directly commanded in scripture. Even in the New Testament, Colossians 3, 16, the Apostle Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms 
and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we do the singing of hymns. I mean, that's even going by the wayside in many churches. But many of us still know some of the hymns. We sing hymns. We sing spiritual songs or just godly songs or whatever. We do the hymns. We do the, the spiritual songs. But who's still doing the psalms? Who's still singing the psalms? Not many churches anymore. Now, there are psalters that still exist. There are some churches that are what they call psalms only. And so, so it does exist. But we, by and large, are... Uh, doing the hymns and the spiritual songs and not singing psalms. Can you think of the last time you actually sang a psalm, either in church or in your personal worship, in your family worship? So it's commanded, though, in Scripture, and not only in the New Testament, but if you go back to Deuteronomy 6, uh, starting in verse 4, this is the this is the classic, very popular passage, but it says this was very important. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." So part included, implied in that command about teaching your children and about loving the Lord and all the commands and the laws of God, part of that is psalm singing, right? Because that, that is what you would sing to the Lord. You would, people didn't own scriptures often, so that's how you taught the faith. So it's implied there as well. It's directly commanded in scripture that we sing the psalms. So why don't we do it? We send millions and millions of dollars and blind support to the theologically inept contemporary Christian music industry and not to robust psalm singing. We spend millions of dollars in support into places that push out music like Reckless Love, like You Say, like what you get out of the most of your Hillsong United, your Bethel, your Jesus culture, your Elevation. You know, like there's so many of the most popular contemporary Christian music groups, so-called so worship groups, are putting out theologically inept, emotional, shallow, me-focused music. And, and we just blindly support it. And we're not doing it for psalm singing, which is actually commanded in scripture and is so beautiful and gives us a lawful expression of those emotions that we can fall into where we so quickly sin in our, in our own words and in, in our own actions. But there are revived efforts to bring back psalm singing. So like I said before, there are psalters that still exist. Psalter is uh, psalms put to music, uh, songbooks of the psalms. Not only that, uh, there's even modern music in modern styles and forms from artists like Brian Sove. He's one that I've been listening to recently. He's a pastor in Utah, but he's coming out with a second Psalms singing album. And he's, he's got some EPs as well. He puts it in this, in a very modern folk type style, and he's singing the Psalms. He has to reword a couple things to make it rhyme and whatever. And it sounds so good. Actually, I'm going to... 
if you're like me and you listen to podcasts, <laughs> I'm always listening on my, on my bike or while I'm driving or while I'm cleaning the dishes. So usually I'm occupied. But if you have your Bible with you, if you're not doing one of those things, I, I would like you to actually open your Bible for this and turn to Psalm 125. In Psalm 125, the reason I want you to turn there is because I'm going to play a song for you by Brian Sove, Pastor Brian, who wrote a song to this Psalm 125 and follow along with the lyrics of what he says, what he is singing, and how good the music sounds too. And tell me that this is not better than what we get out of the blind support that we send to the contemporary Christian music. Take a listen to this. All those who trust in God the Lord Shall be like Zion's hill Shall be like Zion's hill Which can be moved nor ever will But yet abideth still But yet abideth still But yet abideth still As round about Jerusalem The mountains stand always The mountains stand always Yea, so the Lord His own surrounds From now and evermore From now and evermore From now and evermore The scepter of the vile, it will not come to rest, it will not come to rest. Upon the land given to the just, lest just men work it, lest just men work it, lest just men work it. Good, O Lord, to those who are, to good men good impart, to good men good impart. And do thou good to all who are, upright within their hearts, upright within their hearts, upright within their hearts. Turn aside 
Two crooked ways depart. Two crooked ways depart. The evil one, he leads away. But Israel, peace and But Israel, peace and But Israel, peace and Okay, so if you followed along, you'll see how close those words are, how beautiful it is. Can you imagine if we start singing this way? Can you imagine the growth in our spiritual maturity if parents and their children were singing songs like that? If, it, if we started singing these psalms, all 150 of them, we put music to them and we start singing these things that we had a psalm in our mind and on our tongues rather than this shallow, modern, me-focused stuff. Would you rather listen to Reckless Love or listen to what you just heard? Which one would you rather sing in church? It's not about you. Uh, which one would you rather sing, though? It's about the Lord. What brings him more glory? What teaches you? What teaches your children? So... For better or worse, our teaching is tied to our music, and our music is tied to our teaching. It's that relationship again. We teach what we sing, and oftentimes we sing what we teach. They go together. If we start expanding and getting back to biblical definitions and understandings of worshiping in spirit and truth, we will be singing more songs like you just heard. We'll be singing more psalms and less modern songs that I mean, you can't even say they stood the test of time. Like, they're, they're just, you just sit down one day, pump out a, a track, make it all about me, make it, repeat the bridge eight times, and there you go. Ugh. No, 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 thank you. So some questions that can come up from this type of discussion is, what kind of music can we put to the Psalms? You just heard a folk-like song. Uh, and not only that, but who should do it? Like, should... Who's allowed to do this and what type of music can we put to it? And the answer is any kind of music that may fit the flow. The reason is we don't have authorial intent. We don't have the intent of the author. And so some people will shy away from singing these modern versions of psalms and and the style that we have it in, even like you, excuse me, even like you just heard, because we don't know if that's the right style for it, if that's the right tone for it. I think there's a point where we have to recognize that it is in God's wisdom that we don't have that. And so I think that frees us to be able to put different types of instruments and styles to it, but anything, as long as it fits the general tone of that psalm. So if it's a psalm of lament, I don't want to hear joyful trumpet sounds. Like that, like that doesn't fit. So I think there's various different styles you can take to it as long as it fits the theme of the psalm. And I think that's that's a good way of thinking about it. And now who should do it? Well, I think anybody who is qualified and skilled in music. If you have musical ability and talent, I would like to hear you put psalms to music. It's just like any other field. Who should be our teachers? Those who know how to teach. Who should be our music, the people who put this to music, those who have the abilities, those who are qualified, those who have the gifts from God to do that. So 
I would like to see a whole lot more Christians be pouring their money and their support into projects like putting music to the Psalms. And we do have modern Psalters. We do. But the more diff- the more compelling modern music we have using the Psalms, the better. Please listen to my plea. Learn to sing Psalms, or at least start thinking about it. If nothing else, I hope I have convinced you to think outside of just this narrow, oh, this is all we got, so that's all that's, that's all I'm going to do. That's all I'm going to use. No. Put, it, put some effort into, uh, a higher effort into the Psalms. Learning them, what they say, getting picking up themes, the tone, putting music to it. You can listen to the guy I just showed you. You can listen to others. You can make your own. There's more than just him. But may I encourage you to add it even to your family worship? I suppose the first encouragement there would be to be engaging in family worship as part of your disciplines, but it can be done. You you can sing with your kids after you eat dinner or before bed. They already learn songs from their YouTube videos and from the Netflix shows that they watch. They can learn to sing psalms too. And so if I may encourage you to learn how to sing one psalm and teach, if you have kids, to teach it to them and they won't pick it up right away and you might have to do it every night for a month straight, but see that you don't gain spiritual depth and knowledge by doing this, by singing psalms. So I would like to hear psalms be added. I'd like us to be obeying Colossians 3.16, that we're not just singing hymns and spiritual songs, but we start singing psalms as well. And there's another hidden kicker here. Uh, it's kind of like when I, I left um, churches that preach uh, eisegetically, like kind of all about me. And I started joining an exegetical preaching churches. It's like once you start hearing the Bible preached exegetically, you can never go back. You can never go back to topical me-based stuff ever again. You just can't. It's actually like this with the Psalms too. Once you start singing the Psalms, you will be singing things that you've never sung before. You will be worshiping God with words that you've never used before. And you won't want to go back. You won't. It is a beautiful treasure trove. And that is why the church has so highly valued the Psalms and Psalm singing over its history. We've only, in historically modern times, lost this blessed and beautiful practice. And I hope, I hope we bring it back. Lord willing, we will be full of churches across our land that are singing and proclaiming the Psalms and teaching it to the children. All right. Well, I hope that's all right with you. It's all right with me. Thank you for listening today. I hope that this has been beneficial. It has been great for me. And thank you for listening. God bless you. Go in the nations. Bye-bye.